Deezer Originals. This is Defending in Numbers. Hello, 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 and welcome to Defending in Numbers, the podcast where we walk down the corridor of uncertainty pretending to know a little bit more about football than we actually do. My name is Rob Armstrong, and I don't know anything, really, but I'm joined by two men who do, one of which, of course, is Hot Take Jake the Snake Entwistle. How are you doing, Hot Take Jake the Snake Entwistle? I'm very good because Arsenal have secured second place in the League Cup this season, so I'm very happy. <laughs> is that is that Europa League qualification? No, it's not, is it? It's you not, have to we win? have to win it and we've got Man C, so you never know. But yeah, I'm good. You might be in the Europa League. You have a 50% yes. chance. Well, you don't have a 50% chance. You probably have like a 20% chance if City are in an off day. Yeah. That's a, probably a fair way to put it. Yeah. But anyway, enough about, enough about you, Jake. I'm sick of... Rubbing your ego. <laughs> We're joined by a debutante today. One of my favourite words. It means one. This is defending in numbers. Well, it doesn't mean one. It means it's his first time. But Ruben Pinder, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Have you got any Arsenal-related happiness? Or are you no, no. Cool? I don't follow Arsenal. I'm, I'm Palace. So oh. not a lot of happiness. Yeah, well, there you, we go. you have a fun manager. Yeah, no, we do, to be fair. Yeah, and you know, just buzzing to make my debut. Yeah, thank God. Thank God someone's buzzing, Jake. You're sat there oh, thinking about Arsenal. I'm, I'm, that's what I mean. I am buzzing. I'm still reeling. From Get your head in the game. All right, all right. It's in. It's time it's to in. buzz off numbers. Stats are your life, not Arsenal. Okay. Ah, oh, dear. Uh, Jake, seeing as you buzz off numbers, I'm sure that when you do listen to the Defending in Numbers, you listen on Deezer, where you can also find lots more great podcasts, live Premier League commentary and football playlists. You can download the Deezer app or, of course, Jake, go to www.deezer.com. Perfect. Without further ado, let's get into Week by Numbers. The Week by Numbers. Okay then, where else to start? But, well, I mean, the number is 109, which is a vague place to start. <laughs> it's, a, it's a spurious start. But where else to start than Alexis Sanchez, the big story of the week, or Mkhitaryan for you, Jake, of course. Uh, Alexis Sanchez, going to make his debut at Manchester, for Manchester United this weekend, probably. 109 players have scored on their debut for Manchester United, which is, I think, a pretty good stat that whoever put on the sheet should probably have stayed for the, the uh, <laughs> stat showdown. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's outrageous. I can't believe that many people yeah. have scored on their debut. So it's like throughout their, throughout their entire club history, that is, that one. So that's, when you start boiling it down, I think it becomes less impressive. I think... In terms of Premier League debuts, which is, as we know, that's when football really started. It's 19. Um, So, obviously, FA Cup weekend, this means that we had to expand it. Uh, 109 over the total. And and Sanchez, you wouldn't put it past him to be playing 90 minutes against Yeovil straight away and probably bagging a hat-trick. Because as much as it pains me to say and and as much as it's good that Mkhitaryan joined and and Arsenal have got that replacement already, that's a pretty good signing for Man United. Um, It probably fixes their imbalance in attack somewhat because I feel like he'll play on the right-hand side, which is where, again, at Arsenal you saw him dominate on the left. It was it was getting the ball, cutting in, shooting, and, and that's pretty much what you saw every game. But at Barcelona under Pep Guardiola, he's not obviously playing under him now, which he did or did not want. But he played on the right and they had Neymar on the left for a time and he was very good. When you play on that right-hand side, you can almost play as a second striker. And with Martial hitting really nice form, um, Rashford still needing a break 
Um, I think they've solved that sort of attacking balance behind Lukaku, and I'm scared that he's going to do really, really well. Mm. Football started in 1992. Premier League started in 1992. Well, Rob Armstrong it, started in 1992. <laughs> well, there you go. There is actually an argument to say that it did start in 92 because not just the Premier League, but that's when the back pass rule came in, which prevented teams from playing right. long hoofs back to their goalkeeper. Yeah, so therefore anything that happened before 92 we can just redundant. Yeah. Yeah. West Ham have had their entire trophy cabinet <laughs> emptied. Uh, Moiseola. Uh, Ruben, what do you think of Alexis Sanchez? Did you like his video playing a piano? Um, yeah, I'm still curious to know whether he was actually playing it. I, I somehow doubt it. No, no, he he loves the piano. Does he actually? Yeah, yeah, oh. I think that is it. He okay, actually did enough. play I it, preferred yeah. Motherwell's announcement video, Yeah, yeah um, really which good. was a similar take on that. But um, no, he'll, he'll do very well at United. Um, if he does play on the right, which I think he should, because if you're going to move Martial from his left wing position, I don't think he'll be as effective on the other wing and they're unlikely to drop Lukaku. So yeah, he'll probably do really well on the right. And uh, I'm not sure whether he would normally play in this sort of game against Yeovil but um, given that it's Alexis Sanchez and he all he ever wants to do is play um, he probably will but it will be a, it will be a bit of a shock for him to return to the standard of pitch and, and stadium of, of Yeovil Town the, the curse of the number 7 at yeah, Man United is recently, it finally going to be list, lifted recently they haven't had a, a series of good ones have they uh, Di Maria should have been good but, mm, but Di, Maria, Di Maria was good he was I, I always wheel L- out that assist per game stat he's mm. up there top 5 he needed more yeah of a it was chance, an LVG problem really wasn't it but mm. um, Memphis disappointment you know Bebe legend <laughs> was he was he number 7 for a while he was wasn't he I, th- I think oh, so yeah man. I've been seeing people talk about it man so. like Bebe Michael yeah. Owen Obertan but no oh I, my I, god Obertan <laughs> Oh, no, no, he wasn't number seven, was he? But he arrived at the same time as Owen. Uh, it was Owen. Valencia had it for a while. Over it. It well, Valencia actually gave up the shirt because he yeah. thought, I'm not doing this justice, which is fair enough. And now he's become sort of a club legend. Yeah. Mm. But um, Sanchez is Man United's first Chilean player as well, which is quite interesting. Well, he'll be the Premier fir- League hasn't he'll be, seen a he'll lot. Be, he'll be their first, first team Chilean player. And, and everyone kept making that distinction, which makes me think that they had this Chilean guy <laughs> in the academy that was meant to be really good and he's, and he's, not, he's not done well. But... <laughs> Um, first Chilean and then Ar- Armenian, the first Armenian for Arsenal. So it's quite a nice, nice little swap. Name, both their both their nation's top goal scorer as well. Name Premier League Chileans. Go. I'm going to go with Gary uh, Medell. Gary Medell. Good. Nice. Vargas. Gonzalo Jara. Didn't he play for? Yeah, Jara? He played for well. Cardiff, didn't he? Cardiff. Was, yeah. was Vargas? Sejour played Eduardo for Wigan. Vargas. Yeah. Wasn't there? There was a Vargas in the '90s as well, wasn't there? Who dyed his hair claret and blue, played for West Ham. Well, I expect you to know that more than me. I'm I think there sure. was. I, I, I mean, you're talking <laughs> before my time now. <laughs> he might, he might not have been from Chile. He might have just been some bloke, to be honest. Um, there's four Chileans. Yeah, there you go. That's why we call so it defending in numbers. <laughs> <laughs> um, shall we move on to the next one? I think Alexis has been covered. Yeah, by every say. media outlet on the planet. Yeah. Uh, for, yeah, for the whole week. Yeah. Ars- Arsenal lose someone that contributed to 33% of their goals in the Premier League since he was there. But there is the argument that now he's gone, there can be a shift in formation and, and build the team around Meza Ozil. So. All right, then let's move to a different part of London. Let's go to West London and Chelsea, where they're looking at Edin Dzeko, who has got 0.52 goals per game average at Roma across all competitions which uh, pretty much is the form of his career. And I think, you know, Chelsea targeting him, they, we've talked about all their big man targets. Uh, certainly a step up from Andy Carroll mm. and uh, Peter Crouch. And what was the other one? Was it Ashley Barnes? Ashley I Barnes, think they were linked with. Yeah. 
A goal every other game in real life is a very, very good yeah. scoring ratio. <laughs> I know we're living in sort of fantasy times where you've got your Ronaldo's and Messi's yeah. banging they, them they've in. They've distorted it for and everyone I guess else, haven't they? PSG, their strikers are all slinking through farmers left, right and centre. <laughs> but Dzeko, uh, <laughs> I think, is actually quite well-renowned at Man City. Obviously, he got he got cut out by Aguero being Aguero, yeah. who we're also talking about with a crazy yeah, exactly. goal-scoring ratio. But is this is this kind of a, a, almost, in a strange way, a better time to buy Dzeko than when City got him? Because it's not like his game's ever relied on pace. No. So he's only smarter than he was before and he's probably only better in getting in the positions than he was before. So is this mm. is this kind of their, their perfect foil for when your Maratas are injured and they need that plan B? Yeah, quite potentially. I mean, he scored a brilliant goal against Chelsea in the Champions League this season and uh, Roma have been playing a similar formation to what Conte plays at Chelsea the past couple of seasons with two sort of narrow inside forwards either side of Dzeko so I think he'd probably slot straight in and as you say he's never uh, relied on pace so he's just a more refined player now and one in two is is pretty impressive for, for a striker so um, and he won't be first choice it does seem like it ticks every box but um, I'm surprised Roma are going to sell him in, or might be willing to sell him in January given mm. that you know they're sort of in the top four how much money are we talking with well, this bid? So, I originally thought that it was forty million for Jacko, which seems quite steep, really. Um, I know, again, forty million is nothing now, but still, for someone that turns thirty-two in March, um, that's quite a big outlay for a striker that's mm. a short-term fix. But there's also reports that Emerson Palmieri, who is a fullback that plays for Roma, is also included in any deal. Um, so any fee that ever any yeah, deal yeah, ever just, Emerson is just He's the next seventeen clubs yeah. in the next week. <laughs> but in terms of like Chelsea buying from Roma, they're they're going for both of them, and that means that if they say fifty million to Roma, it means they're getting both. So if you're getting two players, um, they need that wing back role is like the curse of Conte, I think, because I think they play the best when they play three at the back, but Moses really struggles to amaze when I watch him. Uh, he's he's good at what he does, but I think that's it. So they're looking for maybe someone on the right that can, can do that, and they need cover for Marcus Alonso on the left. And I think Emerson has played both in his in his time, so he might fit in. They've got Zabacosta and Moses, as I said, n- none of them inspiring. They definitely need a sub for Alonso, so Emerson will probably most likely play on the left. But going back to Dzeko... Um, he, yeah, he is in the form of his life. He's always been prolific. I think even in Germany before he moved to Man City, uh, a lot of teams were chasing him because he was posting similar numbers. Like just below. Wolfsburg to the title, didn't he? Exactly, mm. and you don't hear Wolfsburg winning the title much. So he obviously contributes to his side. Are we sure that was Jekyll or was it the other one? Graffiti. 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 Yeah. <laughs> well, that and the that, two of them. That actually brings me on to another point because maybe Conte plays them both sometimes, mm. and. That really good Italy team he had in the in the Euros um, or the World Cup, I always blur. Euro twenty sixteen. I, I just blur the years now. Yeah, um, they played three five two, wasn't it? So maybe that Chelsea get Jeco and and they help Morata out by playing them both Hazard behind them, and then you can have your you can have Bakayoko and Kante as your sort of midfield engines doing the running for those three. So there's there's possibilities that um, it turns out to be a good signing. And yeah, he's, he's in the form of his life. Last season was his best ever scoring season. He scored 29 Serie A goals, which is the most by any Roma player in 86 years. Graffiti would have got more. <laughs> he would have. 
He probably would have, but isn't he about 44 now? <laughs> I think he was the elder statesman in that partnership. Um, but as well, like they, they obviously wanted this target man, and, and Dzeko was winning 4.1 aerial duels per 90 last season, which was the third most of anyone that played 1,000 minutes. So he fits the complete mould that Conte's looking for. Ruben, you mentioned he scored against Chelsea. Like he, mm. he, he was brilliant in those two games, just hold-up play, link-up play as well. And I think his sort of chance creation metrics get overlooked because he's quite a hulking physique up front. So in terms of like a, an all-round target man and a link man that Chelsea are looking for, I argue that Morata is more like that than... I think they need a poacher, but in, if, if if Conte wants another striker and he wants someone similar to Morata, but to take the burden off Morata, then Dzeko is a short-term fix, and he's definitely in his best form. So why not give it a go? He's not exactly slow either. Like he's not rapid, but once he gets going, he's actually quite uh, quite dynamic yeah. player. Um, it be it would be interesting to see him and play, him and Morata play up front together because, as you say, Morata is more like that than maybe they they realise, but. Um, it surprised me that they've never played Batshuayi and Morata together. I, I mean, I know Conte's not a fan of Batshuayi. That, but I was going to say, I think that's purely the reason. Yeah. I think it's because in because theory it would work. Mm. Um, but then if you do play those two strikers with a midfield three, because he's been playing like quite a defensive midfield three with Drinkwater, Kante and Bakayoko, <sighs> you then lose an attacking slot where you know Pedro or Willian would play, which I think has been to their detriment this season. When they play Hazard off Morata, they just don't have enough attacking players going forward everyone's a defensive minded player apart from those two yeah so they give Hazard way too much to do and they, and they turned on uh, Willian and Hazard whenever they whenever Willian and Hazard play together just the back heels come out and they just they completely flick it to each against other Brighton, in the final they third were yeah incredible. against Brighton and then yeah sorry that was a recent game and then it was Huddersfield I think where they they won 3-0 and it was those two and they they had their post match interview they were laughing together so it feels like real chemistry between those two. So for Conte to persist, as you said, with just one behind Morata or, or two seems odd. So maybe Dzeko gives them more attacking options. But I think Conte himself has become disillusioned. I was going to say, do they, put, do they put enough money behind Conte this January? Surely, because it seems like they might be booting him out the door. Surely he, he they're not going to invest deeply within him. He seems to <laughs> think him. that Chelsea don't buy his targets. But when you look at like Alonso, Zappa Costa... Um, Rudiger, you know, they're all players coming from Italy that he'll know a lot about. So maybe they're backing him more than he than he makes out. But it would be um, maybe quite short-sighted to put loads of money behind his targets when he's likely going to leave yeah, in the summer. It's quite a volatile character. Are you telling me that a man that has had a hair transplant might be a little bit paranoid? <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, enough of Conte. Let's talk about Big boy Mike Ashley. Uh, and the number 91, which is the number of permanent signings Newcastle have made since breaking their transfer record in 2005-2006. Who is it on, Ruben? Pardon? Who is the transfer rec- record broken on? Michael Owen. Of course it was. Is it 16 was. million pounds? 16 million, wasn't it? 16 or 17 yeah. million? Yeah. Nothing. Before that, it was probably Shearer. Yeah, Shearer, yeah. And mm. since then, just... Well, there's been, there has been loads of, like, 12 millions. Yeah. yeah. The likes of Shelby and... Wijnaldum. Sissoko. I feel like everyone broke their transfer record yeah. this summer. Even Wenger. Purely, purely yeah. through like inflation. Like exactly. you look at Palaces, they went every summer from like Gale to MacArthur to Kabai to Benteke, and now it's 32 million, mm. which we maybe won't speak about how well he's done. But yeah. it's just <laughs> incredible that they still haven't broken it in, in like 13 years. And especially seeing as 
they've got Mr. Sports Direct there, who yeah. basically, you know, if he stopped giving everyone free mugs, <laughs> could probably afford <laughs> That's why. a £40 million striker. I think you've just cracked it. Those mugs are costing them um, costing them a new striker. Yeah. I, I felt like 91 in, 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 what is that? Is that 11 seasons? 91 signings and not breaking that record. I, I was looking through it, and so, so to get this, we were sort of using, looking at transfer market, and just every time it was a, a permanent transfer, even if it was a free transfer, it was totted up just to give clear of how, how it got to that number. But 91 is incredible. And, and then um, since Mike, so Mike Ashley actually took over in 2007, since that time, 24 strikers in that time. And you think that's where the money goes, isn't it? It's up front, it's in the goals. 24 people, and none of them have broken that record. And again, not because they're not buying quality necessarily. You just think that maybe one day they'll buy a striker that might be a bit more. Although that is maybe a bit of a problem, uh, the quality of strikers that they buy. Yeah. Because so, like, since Denver Bar and Papi Cisse had their half a wonderful season each, hmm. they haven't really... I mean, Gale did well in the championship. They but... had Cisco. <laughs> Oh, I can't Albert even Luque. remember what he looks like, but yeah, there's uh, so many. Bro- there's so many bro- there's, one that's of the, why strange the- Spanish blokes talking about thong- thongs a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of the De Jong brothers as well. He did do yeah, UL. I think that was Luke. Sim- they had both they of them at both. different yeah, times. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, they need to invest more in, in good strikers. It's not rocket science. Really. You just think that Rafa Benitez in, is in a similar uh, ship to Antonio Conte here. Mm. He's sitting there thinking, I, I'm I'm trying so hard with what I've got, and then you just give me who who's, Kennedy, yeah, or well, Kennedy on loan, yeah, that's one they've got. Again, that's a loan signing. It's not signing. It's it's short term. It's a bit of pace. It's a bit of trickery that they probably need. But again, he's going to play mostly defensive football because he just. I don't think he feels like he's got the assets. Do you think the, Kennedy will play left back or? I, I don't. He's not a left back, no. so he could play. He, I know Chelsea have used him left wing back because they were trying to, as I said before, trying to circumvent that Marcus Alonso. The fact yeah. they have to play him every game, but it, it, Benitez uh, won't want to play him in. Yeah, they, if they play like four four two, he'll play left mid rather than yeah. left back, and he'll just he can he can come back and defend. But you want him attacking. I just feel like Rafa Benitez, especially with all these takeover talks going on, that's stalled again. There's not really any sign that when that's going on, you pretty much know that no one's going to make a massive investment anyway. And the fact that's been dragging on for so long just means Newcastle, all of that, they made like 12 signings last season. So there is investment, but it's such it's such short-term, it's spread so short-sighted. Well, yeah, like. and they were all championship quality players. They were like buying like Grant Han- Hanley. They bought Dwight Gale, who has, was you. He should just become a promotion mercenary yeah. sort of score 30 goals in the championship get you up but the fact no one's trusted him in the Premier League speaks that you either can't afford to have him in your team if you're if you're a weaker team because he's this goal poacher or he's not good enough which is is bizarre how you can go from 30 goals to he scores when he plays but it's just so strange that Newcastle are just going they've they've reached this cycle now where they've go they go down they buy to win promotion to get back up to secure that money and then they get back up and don't then secure that place. They just are left with what they've got and they just end it, up going down. It's like they give out big parachute payments when you get relegated. <laughs> it's almost like Mike Ashley loves money and Doesn't keeping hold of it yeah. <laughs> and throwing up in pub fireplaces. That's why none of these deals get done. It's like trying to sign the deal. Negotiations. And it just feels that rumbling in his stomach 
every time he nearly gives up the club and thinks of the money that he'll lose, throws up in at the fireplace, investor walks away. <laughs> Just to go back to Dwight Gale quickly. He's <laughs> what, and not talk about Mike actually <laughs> no, throwing no, up in right. fireplaces. No. Oh. He's, he's an interesting player because he, he does score when he plays, but he his link-up play, like his all-round game, isn't good enough to start on his own. And he's, you know, he's quite small. And for a team that's going to defend and play like four-five-one, you need somebody with his finishing, but who's bigger and more of a target man. So then they end up playing, you know, four-four-two maybe with Hossler and Gale, and they sacrifice a midfielder and can't get the ball. So their strikers, they've got two target men in Mitrovic and Hossler, and then they've got Gale and Perez, who are both too small and have to play, you know, a big man little man combo. So basically, they just need a striker who's about six foot quite quick and can finish Mad in Dzeko <laughs> yeah. get Done. in Rafa sold going for 24, he's going for 24 million and Emerson you get both for 40 <laughs> get Mike Ashley on the phone you know he loves a buy and get on free Mike Ashley yeah there of course he does yeah he, a constant closing down sale <laughs> yeah. that's Newcastle isn't it a constant closing yeah. down sale of a football club at the moment unfortunately for them um, good for West Ham though because it means someone else might get relegated uh <laughs> Next number, 2929, or as the kids call it, 2929. Uh, that's the number of Premier League minutes played by Daniel Sturridge since his incredible 2013 2014 season, where he nearly won, nearly won the league. Nearly won the league, nearly. but didn't. Uh, who's to blame? Who knows? Uh, he's only made 10 starts in one of the last four seasons, but now Inter Milan are coming in. Inter Milan, who have had a bit of a few dodgy recruitments over the last two or three years. Ciao Certainly Mario. Big, yeah, <laughs> legend. Are you excited? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Dan, Daniel Sturridge looks brilliant at times, yeah. but just can't be trusted almost not to get injured. And that is the same you can say about so many good players over the years. Mm. And with Sturridge, it's always hamstringy things isn't it? It's always, it's never, never a leg break, never something like that. It's like hamstring. Yeah. Um, and it seems this year the patience has run out. I think to be fair, the patience probably run out last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but does he still have a future or is Serie A move? I don't want to kind of, it's almost a, a stereotype of the Italian league that you can go there and, draw your career out a little bit and not get injured much and everyone's a bit slower and the game's a bit slower and things like that but I don't think that is necessarily true because it was the highest scoring league last year wasn't it yeah. doesn't mean it wasn't slower but um, yeah Inter Milan is that a good move for Sturridge and, 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 and will he keep playing or is he just going to sort of disappear to a smaller club it depends where, where they plan to fit him in because if he goes to Inter, he's not centre back. <laughs> he's not playing ahead of of Mauro Icardi up front, who's their captain, talisman, very good goal scorer, and a lot fitter than Daniel Sturridge. So he could either play off him in like a support striker role or or wide. But again, they've got two good wingers who support Icardi really well. So it seems quite strange that they're keen to sign him and that he might be keen to go because I don't see him getting much more game time there than he gets at Liverpool. But Italy could be good for him. Um, Shows you know he's willing to go on an, an adventure to get into the England squad. Mm. So um, yeah, I, it would be good for him. But I'm surprised by the interlink. He's definitely not playing out wide for Inter Milan if he goes because their their style of play under Spalletti, especially, is is very sort of old fashioned, direct. They've got Candreva on the right, who is just cross merchant. He'll beat his man, whip it in, and and do that 
repeatedly, whether people like it or not. And then Perisic on the left is really explosive, can go both ways, quick, strong, can be a wide target man as well. Like he's he's a complete physical package with the technical ability. So when you put Daniel Sturridge, who cannot run anymore, on one of those wings, that's they completely it's lose their style. Quite a key attribute, isn't it? Exactly. And Daniel Sturridge technically is is brilliant. Uh, that se- that season that that we referenced, he was SASAS. He he was inc- he was incredible. He again, I think I don't think he gets the credit that he necessarily deserves for that season. A lot of it is about Sterling because he was 18 at the time. Suarez was the best, so he rightly gets the applause. But Daniel Sturridge, in terms of working an inch in the box and having that technical awareness to to shift it onto his left foot or... And again, he's not very good with his right foot, but he, seemed to, he seems to finish well with his right foot, if that makes sense. I think, mm. I think he's a very good finisher. And that means that when Mauro Cardi isn't playing or Mauro Cardi scored over 50% of Inter's goals this season so he's not going to play he's not going to drop him but that's a big burden what about when he's not scoring Cardi scores a lot of braces and hat-tricks um which means that when he's he's got those he's got those goals but in the games he isn't doing to win and they've struggled recently as well that they we've spoken about them having a really good start to the season but they've dropped off a bit so maybe they bring in a striker that they know is a in the box inside the box striker that's what Sturridge is now he tries to drop deep and get involved in the play but that's more because of what Liverpool want from their striker and I don't think he's physically capable of doing that anymore so going to Inter Milan if he becomes this sort of cameo 30 minute striker that is put on the pitch to score in the last minute I could see him doing quite well because technically and in terms of his intelligence in and around the box he is one of the best strikers England have had in the last few years the only thing is is those injuries I, it's, it's sad to watch him he just he just can't run anymore no acceleration it's, it's, has he the thing is problem with doing your calf and your hamstring all the time is that you lose your whole explosiveness Daniel Sturridge I, it was funny I watched one of those YouTube videos and he was like completely um, baffled at his baffled pace, at that, his pace yeah, yeah. Um, I would never say he was quick. I think he's. I think pace and acceleration are always confused. It's mm. one of my little pet peeves. M- Messi, over that first two seconds or two yards, is quicker than anyone. But as soon as you stretch that out over fifty meters, I think he'd get caught. He'll never make it in football. That doesn't matter, of course. But what I think Daniel Sturridge was confused about was the fact that he was able to create those little angles, those little yards of space, and now he seems even seems like he's struggling to do that so it's one of those sort of sad injury stories because I think we were denied a great striker for a longer period of time but he definitely needs to move on from Liverpool I saw him at the uh, Audi Cup in a pre-season friendly this year and he basically did the most Daniel Sturridge thing ever he sprinted absolutely gassed the defender dinked it over the keeper yeah and injured himself yeah like injured Classic. himself dinking it and I just the thought, whole package and <laughs> I just thought hey I've seen, you know, like some, you, you want, when you go and watch a play, like say you went and watched Messi and he did two nutmegs and scored a worldie. You're like, mm. wow, I've just seen like token Messi. Yeah. Or like Ronaldo scoring a hat-trick with a header, a penalty and a tap-in. You're like, yes, I've seen, I've seen like the the Ronaldo thing. When I saw that, I was like, yes, I've I've seen the Sturridge I've thing. Seen I've seen him dink a keeper and get injured in the process. In his true form. Um, the fact that, uh, as j- just one last point on that, the fact that Danny Ings was brought on, I know, I know Sturridge is currently injured at the moment, but mm-hmm. the fact that he's more likely to bring on Danny Ings, who I, I forgot existed, 
Mm. Um, hasn't been lucky with injured injuries again, he's, either. Yeah, and again, he's been fit for a while though. Like, yeah, uh, just not match sharp. Yeah, because he hasn't been playing. Yeah, but he so, looks all right against Swansea. Yeah, yeah, he did. But that's what I mean. The fact yeah. that he's ahead of him, I think that's a sign to Sturridge. Yeah, yeah I should probably maybe Sturridge should go to West Ham. No, no. <laughs> enough injuries uh, <laughs> speaking of Swansea and West Ham both changed manager as well as Watford who go through managers like I go through bright pink t-shirts uh, <laughs> yeah eight that's the number by the way this is week by numbers uh, eight number of managers that doesn't even make radical sense eight is the number of managers sacked in the Premier League this season uh, Marco Silva the latest one of course only been there for eight months eight and eight I'm two like, eights works nicely that one Magic. That's maybe why he left. He yeah. knew what was coming. Well, yeah. we know uh, why he left. They made it very clear, didn't they, Watford? Yeah. It, well, it's sort of well, they, semi-unclear You don't as have well. to be a genius to yeah. decode the, the statement. It is mad that that's almost half the league have changed managers. Mm. Fear of relegation. January. Yeah. Yeah. How do you ever, really, like, how do you ever build a team? I know, I, I know I'm going to sound like every ex-player that's a pundit defending his mate who used to... <laughs> play with him but yeah. how do you build a team if you uh, you don't go to Watford for a start because yeah. they only ever get one year and he didn't even get that but that was largely his own his own fault yeah. I feel well well not fault to but. be fair if someone came to me from the geezer originals for attacking in numbers and offered me <laughs> six million a year you know, my head would be turned. <laughs> I don't think I think like when people say oh well he wanted the money at Everton it's like well yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I, I think that, like, again, just quickly going back to Sanchez as well, it's like as much as you want to say he's he's chosen Man United for the money or whatever, if Man City didn't want to offer him a contract, then he's not going to say, be unhappy for Arsenal at six months and go or get 500 grand a week at Man United. It's his last contract. As Wenger said, it's his yeah. last contract. And it's Man play. United. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a like, huge club. Yeah. They're probably going to win a trophy. So, yeah, that's fair enough. But... Uh, with Marco Silva, I think, yeah, the Watford the Watford sort of blueprint for managerial success is give you 12 months, as you said, Ruben. Um, you'll probably do quite well because we've got a few resources. They've got those feeder clubs and their recruitment seems pretty spot on. But we're not going to give you longer than that because we'll want to change. It's it's Watford's 10th manager since the Pozzos took over, which in 10 years. And Scott Duxbury as well is one of the geezers who makes the decisions, isn't he? Uh who uh, mm. likes a dodgy deal? Like a lot of these partnership <laughs> clubs and stuff. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> it, it shows that you can't really stay in that job. And the the, the man they've appointed um, is uh, David Gracia. It's actually his Javi. tenth club in um, in ten years as well. It's Javi Gracia. Oh, I don't know. Why have I put that on the Javi Gracia? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've put the wrong. Not to name be on confused. The You're just like another Paul Merson. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, not to be confused with Javi Garcia. Yeah, he used to play for Manchester City, but um, yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? Like he did get his head turned by Everton, evidently. And while people look at the table and say, "Oh, what for the tenth? There's like four points separating tenth and eighteenth, mm. and there's like there isn't really mid table anymore. It's a twelve team relegation battle, so it's understandable why they would now make the change because their form was so bad. Mm. Um, Jake would be able to reel off how many wins in how many games. Since right. the you, you can as well. It's on the sheet of paper. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. So they've got five points from their last eleven <laughs> games, <laughs> which is the worst record in the Premier it's League. One win and two draws, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and West Brom are sort of the only, the, the the sort of 
upside to it is that West Brom are the only team that have changed manager out of those eight that have not got a better points per game ratio since changing manager. I wonder why that is. So, yeah. It's probably something to do with the fact that they hired Alan Pardew. Yeah. Pardiola, they've got... <laughs> Party over. Too busy dancing on the side. <laughs> we line. should have sung that in that one calendar year he was good at, at, uh, at Palace. That's what he does, though. He's a calendar year man. He is. Get him as the Arsenal manager. They haven't, yeah. West Brom haven't really got the bounce yet. They've got, only got the slide. Uh, yeah. So mm. they might. Could we see a third West Brom manager in one season? Mm. It's, it's bizarre, but. That, Wild times we live in. That, <laughs> that stat there, though, is just why people are changing manager. Just to get, sort of go back to the wider point. They've all seen an upturn in, in yeah. form and no matter how short term that is, if that means that you're surviving, they're gonna do it. I, I I agree with you. How how do you how do you give Pep Guardiola last season for Man City wasn't fantastic, but because he's Pep Guardiola and it's Man City, it's a different case. But look at what he's in after a season of sort of teething issues, getting in the players he wanted to fit his philosophy, look at what they're doing now. The risk is greater, obviously, at the other end of the table. But how do they expect to have progress when you're changing philosophy every year? Mm. You, you'll get short-term success, and then after that, it, nothing. It reminds me of the Sunderland style of leadership. Uh, <laughs> for pretty much four or five years, they were rubbish, right, in the Premier League, but survived every year by getting a lunatic in. You know, like your Decanio, Poyets, yeah. and Decanios, knee slide. Merchants. Exactly, it's just just loonies to come in for the end of the season. Didn't who else went there? Did like Tim? Sh- no, not Tim. No, Sherwood. he went somewhere else. Big Sam. Yeah. yeah, basically, they get someone in who's a bit shouty for the last couple of months of the season. Yeah, stay up, and then the next year it's. I think they survived about 11, 12 years maybe in the Premier League without going down, but they were constantly like just seventeenth, oh, yeah. every time, yeah. and. It's no way to live. No. <laughs> no. You wouldn't wish it on anyone, and would you? I, I feel like, you know, I don't, I wouldn't like wish it on Watford, but I feel like that sort of constant churning of managers, it's only pro, like, it's prolonging a Sunderland happening because it's too much. Yeah. It's too well, much change. It's not, yeah. it's not leading towards anything. It's just constant survival. And in a room you can, you can uh, empathize, kind of being, a Premier League team that your aspiration is 12th to survive every season yeah and it's no way uh, what's the point so many clubs are in this limbo where they know they can't reach Europe because the the disparity between the top sort of six or five maybe um, and everybody else is growing so the, the most you can achieve is like top half that doesn't really actually achieve anything and the and the worst is relegation so clubs are constantly in this like perennial fear of going down which means they have to you know hire and fire every season culture mm. which is like the De Boer experiment at Palace was obviously failed very quickly but if if relegation wasn't such a scary proposition then it would have been interesting to see how that sort of panned out mm. but yeah yeah relegation obviously kind of spells the end for any manager's career now in the Premier League. I suppose there's a couple where they're sort of allowed to be relegated. Burnley. Deitcher. Stuck with Deitcher, aren't they? And he just got... Well, actually, that's... And I I think Bournemouth would stick with Eddie Howe. That's that's the perfect example, though, isn't it? So Deitcher just got that new contract recently. His style of play isn't the most necessarily fascinating, but it's a clear style of play. And Mm. Burnley have now had that embedded in their team. And they they were sixth at one point this season. Like they've mm-hmm. gone down under Dice, they've gone back up, but 
that just shows that if you give that platform to develop and 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 implement a style of play and a philosophy, then the long term benefits are better. It's it's just you've got to have someone brave enough to sort of ride the wave of that flirting with the relegation yeah, or maybe there, going down. There one are similarities season. with um, Huddersfield. I feel like they will probably go down this season just because they've got the least quality in in their squad uh, out of the whole league. But I feel like they'll probably stick with with Wagner or Wagner, whichever mm. way it is, because he he overachieved with them in the championship and again he's got a very clear style and they'll probably do what Burnley did go back down you know buy some new Keep players going, come back yeah. up and then they'll have a stronger squad the next time they come up and they'll probably survive like Burnley so some clubs with a manager they trust can can invest long term in him if they plan for the the possibility of of relegation but a lot of clubs just sort of go all out and and spend in the hope that they'll survive yeah all right Enough of this morbid manager chat. <laughs> Let's move on to I'm embarrassed to ask. I'm embarrassed to ask. All right, then. I'm sat here casually on a Wednesday. I mean, not here, but I was sat there, wherever <laughs> there was, casually on a Wednesday. And I see that England have been put in a group with Spain and Croatia. Firstly, seems like a very small group. <laughs> Secondly, I don't really understand what group it is they've been put in and what the what the kind of reasoning is for it. Uh, the UEFA Nations League, are we going to play Spain home and away, then Croatia home and away, yeah. and then get relegated? We could get relegated. And then where, where do we get relegated we'll probably to? probably stay right in the middle there. You'd, you'd assume that England would come second in that group. Yeah. but it's so Never assume anything. No. <laughs> the, the, these groups, what they mean is um, UEFA are trying to make an effort to sort of reduce the redundancy of non-competitive international friendlies, which everyone hates. So a while ago, so they introduced this idea a while ago because I remember seeing it and thinking, wow, that's a really good idea. And I still think it's a really good idea, but people are scared of it. And what it, what, <laughs> what it is, is you, there's, no, there's no more international football has been added to the calendar, which for some reason is Thank what... Thank God. Exactly. But people think... <laughs> stuff has been added just because it's now a competition they think now there's more fixtures to be played the whole point of this is to make those fixtures that were friendlies that everyone hated that everyone pined for the Premier League to return now when you do have to play international football there is something on the line and the UEFA Nations League is something to be played in between the sort of uh, World Cup years or at least for the European years I think because it's UEFA it's not going to be sort of biannual it'll be the quarterly one but it'll just be before the Euros anyway the whole point of it is that that there's four leagues and the top 12 teams have been split into three different leagues in the first league so there's an A, B, C and D and within those there's four each there's, it, mini, it, there's mini leagues within big, within it big is, leagues it is really confusing and, and, and in terms of trying to get our heads around it for the podcast I'm already it's probably hard <laughs> it's a lot easier to explain visually yeah and there are brilliant visuals out there that everyone can look at. Once but this is a podcast. <laughs> yeah. So no visuals, just my audials, which isn't even a word. Or, go on then, audials. <laughs> Line so, audio. The, the, again, the whole point of it is, is that there's something to play for. And in 2019, there will be a little final where the winners of each of those top tier groups will play to be crowned UEFA Nations League winner. <sighs> what do you win? Just a cup? Does it, it, yeah. has, it has an effect on qualifying yeah. for Euro 2020, yeah. though, doesn't it? So, Wait what? Yeah. It's, so, oh, 
So they're not. I mean, I thought I knew how it works. I know how the UEFA Nations League works, yeah. but now how that affects Euro 2020. I'm not 100% sure. So, I, my face is like Macaulay Culkin on the front of Home Alone <laughs> yeah. trying to get through this. Hands on either side. Yeah. So well, there's, still a, there's still a UEFA Euros qualifying phase. It's just now that seeding is sort of impacted by how well you do in the Nations League, which again adds more of a competitive nature to it, which will surely create better football and better international football. Um, and it just means that in the same in the same process as this season, the top two of all each ten of the European qualifying um, leagues for the for the actual competition, the top two go through, but that leaves four spaces. Oh. <laughs> that leaves four spaces, and now depending on how well you do in the, the Nations League, people that did rubbish in qualifying, you can now get a space through the UEFA Nations League because if people above you have already qualified for the Euros by finishing top of their actual Euro group there's now another little mini tournament which includes the Nations League teams basically it'll make international football less boring making international football great again more complicated although you'll get a lot of I think Scotland have got like Albania so Scotland the only home nation in the the third tier which is (laughs) (laughs) they're going to Peru in mate I can't like I can't, Scott Brown is going to come back with a very pink head. I can't get my head around Scottish people being in Peru, <laughs> let alone this let alone bloody that. league system. <laughs> so Peru won't be in their UEFA Nations League group. Wait, so where do you yeah, go up? If, you, if we win the group, no, we yeah. don't go up anywhere. No, because we're, we're already in top tier. We're Premier League. But England we're not as good Premier as Spain. European. We're not as good, but we're in the top 12. So, Croatia in the top 12. Yeah. yeah. So then if Croatia... But they can get relegated. If Croatia yeah. come bottom of our mini-league... They go down to League, League B. B with the other losers of the mini leagues within group, uh, League A, and, and then, then League B come up. Yeah. League B come up, like so, Hungary or something. Uh, the League B teams to reel them off quickly: are Czech Republic, Ukraine, Slovakia, Turkey, Sweden, Russia, Northern Ireland, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Austria, Denmark, Republic of Ireland, and Wales. I would describe Ireland have got Wales again, haven't yeah, they? Yeah. So that that group four in League B is Denmark, Republic of Ireland, and Wales, which is quite exciting. Ireland have got haunting memories of Denmark. And Wales have got haunting memories of Ireland. Keen versus gigs. I would describe all of those as tough places to go if there are away <laughs> games in the Europa League. To be fair, except Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, Republic Denmark. Ireland. <laughs> they all sound like quite nice places yeah. to go. Yeah. Um, oh, and Wales. In fact, yeah. basically, Ukraine is a tough place to go. Away. You had the, the first, other three are a nice story. The first yeah. name. <laughs> and then decided, yep, they're all tough. Well, yeah, I heard the first name and then, like, the place is nearest. <laughs> So oh yeah, I know, I know uh, Wales, Northern Ireland, Ireland, yeah. Uh, wait, Czech Republic was in there. Bosnia, yeah. Bosnia. So, yeah. There's there's some good teams, but sort of League A, classic Europa League stuff yeah. there. But in League A, Group One is Netherlands, France, and Germany. Personally, all tough places to go. Personally, that away games are hard. That they they will be exciting games to watch. Yeah, and France, Germany, especially, will be great, especially because there's something riding on it. So it'll be better than the friendlies where they. That know. means that means that one of those three can get relegated. I th- yeah, but then they can still get into Europe. Yeah, because they'll win their. It, that's what I mean. It's it's separate from the Euros. It's not a, it's not a pre qualifying tournament. It's a new tournament. There's just because UEFA have wanted to bind it all together. There's connotations that if you do fairly well in Nations League, then you get a bit of a better seeding for European qualifying. But it is a separate tournament. There'll be a final that's played in 2019 that will crown the winner of the Nations League. So between the period of time where we have the tournament and the qualifying for the following tournament, we have the UEFA Nations League in that space in between. And it's competitive football. 
ish. Well, why is it ish? Because international friendlies still affected seeding. Did they not? Oh, yeah, because the seeding system was a shambles. Yeah, so, th- that, so it? this it first awful. year of Nations League is probably it's based on sort of rankings, but... The, 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 so League A, Netherlands, France, Iceland are in there because they've been doing well at tournaments. Yeah. Switzerland, Belgium, Poland, Italy, Portugal, Croatia, England, Spain. In terms of European nations, you've pretty much got all the big hitters in there and you could give or take Slovakia and, and people like that that are in League B. But there's no real sort of... It's not like Gibraltar have been put in that group with Netherlands and France. Um, I hope we never have to play Iceland again. So, well, they could get promoted. That's the thing. Tough place to go. Uh, (laughs) I I think it's a really good idea. And the fact that there's an active effort to reduce these friendlies and try and implement something, try and implement something to play for can only be a positive. Yes, it seems confusing when we're trying to speak about it and explain it. Yes, it will be strange the first season because it's all of a sudden we've got this new tournament. What does it mean? But after a while... what would you rather watch? A complete dead rubber where Germany are trying out their new squad that will probably win the World Cup six years down the line or watch them do that squad. Like the Confederations Cup was a good watch because there was that tournament aspect to it. It'll all be much more simple when it starts. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as a as a man who has hosted like 20-odd episodes of a podcast called Defending in Numbers, Jake <laughs> said four numbers and I lost my head. <laughs> I'm I'm so rattled. I'll probably look at a graph later. Like, It'll make I'm, a lot more sense. You're getting. Yeah, I'm looking forward. I need to, to look at the pictures. I'm yeah. one of those people. I <laughs> <laughs> read books of the pictures. Yeah, I'm looking um, forward to to the games versus Spain. That'll be good. Yeah, do I we d- get home and away? Yeah, yeah. So it's like so the three league, the three team league is a bit is a bit strange because like that again. That's the only. That's my only sort of pet peeve with it is that you play the same w- team. Twice. What 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 is a three team league? There's, Little round robin. There's not yeah. enough that you you can be top or bottom with one one yeah. victory. Um, but in terms of is it a good idea or is it not a good idea? Yes. Am I excited by it? Yes. I'm moving on. <laughs> <Let's>, <laughs> I can't I can't deal with it anymore. Let's go on to who's this fella? Who's this fella? A Merrick Laporte, or is it A Merrick Laporte? I'm assuming one of you two is going to tell me. Imeric Laporte? Yeah, I think. Imeric Laporte. Born in France, but in the Basque region. Hence why he plays for Athletic Bilbao. Okay. £65 million pounds euros. or euros? Release clause in Spain. Euros. And is that done? Is that over the line? It's not. Nothing's official, but there's been a lot of reports recently that have said that Guardiola and Man City and Laporte himself have tried to accelerate the deal. And to get it done, because he's 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 been in talks with them before, um, re- rejected it, or again reported that he rejected it to stay at Bilbao uh, for longer. But now there's sort of been this rush of I think since Man City sort of didn't get Sanchez over the line, or for whatever reason, or Van Dyke, or Van Dyke, they think right, we need to just we need to make sure, or Johnny we, Evans, or Johnny. Well, we don't know; they could still get Johnny Evans as well. Anything's possible in the Premier League. Yes. <laughs> You know, if West Brom go down, they get, they can get Evans for three million. But that's what it's I mean. worth they holding on. They can't wait. They didn't. They wanted yeah. to wait for Sanchez, and look yeah. what happened. Arsenal might steam in with a forty-five million Johnny Evans bid. <laughs> oh God! Um, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back to back to a, a, a defender with some potential. Um, yeah, so it's sixty-five million euros, and as I said before, that that release clause was sort of set in stone after he signed a new contract when. 
there was initial talks with with Man City, but the reason Guardiola wants him, I believe, is because he's left-footed. He is one of the best defenders in the Liga on the ball. Um, and he's very... From watching him and, and from looking at his numbers as well, which is sort of the idea of the podcast, he seems a very complete... <laughs> and defending. Yeah, and defending, exactly. He is a defending in numbers mm. uh, as a person, I think, because he's top four... He's only he's second to Sergio Ramos since 2013-14 in terms of long balls uh, by centre-backs in La Liga. So, again, you think that's a tick for Guardiola. He's got a good target yeah. in Adurith as well for that. Yeah, but it's, it's completed long balls yeah. as well. It's like... No, I'm not trying it's, to play it down. I'm just saying it makes spread, sense. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I, I agree with you. You have to sort of look at every long ball to decide how good they are. But watching Laporte, you think he's comfortable on the ball. Yeah. Um, he's also he's also um, got 75.14% tackle success rate, which is very high. Again, you think Man City defenders, they don't tackle a lot, but you want them to win the tackles that they need to make. That's another tick for Guardiola. Um, and Diego Godin is the only defender with more interceptions in that period of time. So he's posting all the top numbers along with the people that you consider the elite defenders in La Liga, and he's 23 years of age. So in terms of a long-term partner for John Stones, as I said, left-footed, which immediately gives them a complete new dimension um, in a team that wants to always expand out of the back. That means you've now got two alleys and you're not restricted by uh, Otamendi at times favouring his right foot. So it ticks all the boxes for Pep Guardiola and 65 million euros for them is is nothing, really. Yeah, it seems like he's been around for, for a really long time because he made his debut I f- at I such a like young age. I feel like I've signed him on FIFA 14. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you pro- probably, yeah. yeah. But it's, that's the thing. Athletic Bilbao, obviously, they promote their, their young players quite early because of their whole Basque policy. Mm. Um, so he's already got loads of experience under his belt at, at a very young age. And 65 million euros in this market... It's, it's when you think about it, it's not a lot considering no. he's he's going to be, you know, he could be like a ten year investment. Mm. And and as Jay says, the left footed thing's huge, and his defending is good as well. Because like, def- despite the fact that Otamendi and Stones pre injury have been really good this year, beyond that is is Mangala and company, isn't it? Mm. Which are not Guardiola defenders. So, and he's not even he's not cup tied for the Champions League, is he? So no. it makes perfect sense. Mm. It, so, so it's like a French. French Spanish ish. Yeah, so John he, so he hasn't he, played for France yet, has he? No, so he hasn't played for any senior team yet. Which is bizarre because he's, he's. Oh my God. Old. Five years at Man City. <laughs> get him in the England team. So he, he's played at every youth level for France. Oh, um, forget it then. <laughs> but. And he's been called up twice by Deschamps, but he has not played but yet. Got, not got on the pitch. So there's. there's Who plays centre back for them? Is it Kashelny and Duran? Yeah, and Titi as well. I think it's some Titi and Duran more. young as well, isn't he? Well, that's that's the thing. So there were rumours, weren't there, at the beginning of January that Barcelona were going to activate Umtiti's release clause because guess what? Left-footed centre-back that's really good on the ball. Do you mean City? Yeah, who did, who did you I say? You say Barcelona. Oh, right, sorry. Yeah, Barcelona, well, yeah. Barcelona aren't going to do their own release clause. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. City were looking at Umtiti and <laughs> that sounded quite nice. Um, but that that obviously was either not true Man or... Titi. Or, <laughs> or it didn't. Grow up. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Got a couple of them over here. Yeah. <laughs> So that didn't go through, um, despite the brilliant names that could have come from it. That's everyone's fantasy league f- name next season now. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. yeah. Um, so they've looked for Defending Laporte. Defending <laughs> They've looked for Laporte, who, as I said, and can't emphasise enough, ticks all the boxes. Um, if you're going to compare him to a Premier League defender, I've seen a lot of people say Yamba Tongan because of the left-footedness, but also because 
I mentioned he's very good at playing the ball, but I think what Laporte enjoys doing is is charging out with it in a controlled manner, which is what Pep Guardiola would want. But again, just adding that sort of extra composed defender that can slot in when when Otamendi needs a rest or when Otamendi ends up uh, retiring or moving on. Um, Guardiola's problem in Man City's first season was that he had a very old side. So getting these replacements in early um, to make that transition as seamless as possible is is what they need to do and and in Laporte they've got this player that will be a future Spain or France international uh, he's already as Ruben you said he's played nearly 200 La Liga games and he's 23 he's got so much experience he's got a lot of talent uh, and that's with one big injury as well that he had so could he maybe fill in at left back as uh, well? Not in the way, Matt. Not, not the way, not Man. For, if they play three, if they play three at the back, then left centre back. Yeah, you've got Stones in the middle. I would say. Yeah. Ultimately, right, Laporte left centre back. That's really nice, and then that means that Mendy, when Mendy's fit and Walker flying forward, you've got seriously good wing backs, and even Sane has played left wing back mm. because he's so good. Um, he could play left back for a Tony Pulis side, but, but yeah, not. But, but not I don't think Pep Guardiola is going to sign him no. to play there. Um, yeah, he's like he's six foot four or something. Yeah, he's tall. He, tall, tall fullbacks make me laugh. Yeah, they look. That's what Marcus Alonso is still, but again, yeah. he's not really a fullback. But he looks like so the most leggy. awkward. Yeah, he looks so awkward, and then he's got the technique of a of a superstar, and looks a bit like Hercules. Yeah, he does. To be fair, particularly the '90s Disney adaptation. Oh, what a film! Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> stat showdown. Stat showdown. Stats showdown time. Best two out of three. Impress me stats. I can go to some bloke in the pub and flirt with him by using. Not in a, you know, any untoward way, just to impress him. Impress me and help me impress other people with simple, pithy stats that make me go, oh, no way. The best reaction someone can ever ask for with a stat or fact. Indeed. Ruben is a first time man as as a stat showdown virgin. Quite nervous for this. Virgin, that is not. Forget it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, take uh, it away, lad. All right. So we were speaking about Jacko earlier. What he could bring to Chelsea. So since 2015-16, nine players have scored more headed goals in Syria than Edin Jacko, mm-hmm. which maybe suggests he's not as good as we think he is in the nine air. Players. Okay, can so I, he's not as good as we think. Can I a add a little? Like, do you, you want to add a nugget? Well, he, he so he's only scored one headed goal this season, but he's had the most headed shots in Europe's top five leagues. Oh my word! So maybe he can't finish his headers. <sighs> Jake, that wasn't your stat, was oh, it? No, it wasn't. You just threw you just threw a fiery <laughs> nugget onto Ruben's first th- ever stat. I think <laughs> I, I, I think that's I think that's cheating. Uh, I can't resist. <laughs> well, no. If, if, you, if you didn't stat. if you didn't have the fiery nugget, that's your problem. Okay, Jake. Um, <laughs> What fiery nugget have you got? <laughs> what a phrase. I'll go with more headers and I'll go with another Chelsea target in Peter Crouch. Oh my God, what a player. Um, Peter Crouch is 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 winning 14.2 aerial duels per That's 90 this season. Hideous. Um, which is more than Dzeko, Morata and Ashley Barnes combined. And it's one every six minutes. Oh. I would reel out a stat about how many long balls Stoke play here, but I don't have one to hand. Yeah. There you go. Come with your nuggets or not at all. Okay, okay, okay. So, Jake, what you're telling me is Stoke play long ball and Peter Crouch wins a lot of aerial duels, whereas what you're telling me, Ruben, is that Dzeko's not as good as heading as we think. I would argue, Jake, you are reinforcing the obvious. Ruben, you are bringing something new to the table, but... Jake dropped a fiery nugget on you, he did. That was a cut, which yeah. did not 
play in your favour, Jake, you're getting that oh. one. <laughs> oh. I, I, I endorse Dan fiery nuggets. Get, if you've got fiery nuggets, toss them out. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. All right, Jake. Okay. Double down. You can win it. All right. Early doors. Mm. I'm going to go for one that's just... This is just this is how I would flirt with a stat. Um, so, <laughs> ladies, which immediately probably means I've lost this round. <laughs> Flirting in numbers. But um, Leroy Sane got that incredible assist for Aguero's hat trick. He did um, the other the other week, and to put that into context, that was his tenth assist of the Premier League season. Uh, in the last ten seasons, he's the youngest player in those ten seasons ever. Well, not ever because it's the last ten seasons, but he's the youngest player in those seasons to record ten assists. Younger than the the other three were Eden Hazard, Fabregas, and Bale. He's the youngest to do it, and it's only January. It's only January. I don't have a fiery nugget to. It's all right. No, that stat. Sometimes you don't have a fiery <laughs> nugget. That's the way life is. But you do have a stat. I do. Um, Willian made his fiftieth consecutive Premier League appearance against Brighton, which is the longest current run of consecutive appearances in the Premier League. Yet he doesn't often start matches. I was going to say, I'm Conte relies on him more than he realizes. I am, perhaps. I am surprised by that, Jake. Good one. That's that's made me lift an eyebrow. Also shows he never gets injured. Doesn't get injured. Until and last I night. thought, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that he was very much sort of out of the team, but fifty in a row. Appearances, not starts. Obviously, I know. I know. One of the criticisms of Stat Showdown is that somehow it always ends up being one all. <laughs> But this time, Jake... Anyone listening to that will will probably agree. Yeah, I think it's fair enough. You came with the fiery nugget in the first round, but this time, my eyebrow's been raised. Oh, so, Ruben, it's one all. Thank you very much. And now it's your chance to finish it. Well, yeah, get the get the winner, oh, the late winner. Less confident with this one, but we'll see. Um, so, Arsenal have just reached their eighth League Cup final, and only United and Liverpool have played in more League Cup finals, uh, with 12... But Arsene Wenger's never won the League Cup. Okay. Make okay. of that what you will. It's, this falls perfectly into my stat. Um, there's a reason why Arsenal could win the League Cup this season. Meza Ozil last night started his first ever League Cup game for Arsenal, which is weird. Mm. Um, and in his career, he started 47 domestic cup ties. In, that, in those games, he's lifted the trophy more times than he's actually lost. Eight trophies, six defeats. Oh, <laughs> I'm rubbing my thighs at that one, Jake. <laughs> you've charmed me. That's a cracker. Yeah, sorry, Ruben. You've been blown out of the water. You've got a fiery nugget dropped in your head, and now you've been blown out of the water. <laughs> uh, Jake, you've won that. Yes. With Atacanta. With Mesut I'd say, as well. emphatically. With your man, Mesut. Uh, Jake, where can people find you on the internet if they uh, want to follow you for some reason? Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Jake Entwistle, E-N-T-W-I-S-T-L-E. No. And it's never had an H. Never, Ruben. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter, at Marco Rubes, spelt like Royce. Classic, classic football Twitter Marco name there. Royce. Yeah. <laughs> and you can find me at Rob Armstrong underscore WH. And you can find this podcast on Deezer, of course, where you can also find lots of great podcasts, live Premier League commentary and football playlists. Download the app or go to www.deezer.com. And we will see you at this time next week on Defending in Numbers. Defending in Numbers is a Deezer Originals production. You can find and download more episodes on Deezer and all major podcast providers. 